This episode is sponsored by Code Health. Code connects healthcare providers to the largest community of medical coding professionals in the country with over 4,600 domestic certified coders. As a single stop for all coding needs, Code's on-demand model has solved for daily staffing challenges and coding inefficiencies by allowing providers to access the right coder at the right time while gaining insights to better manage their coding operations. To learn more about Code, visit CodeHealth.com, that's K-O-D-E Health.com, or email Code directly at partnerships at CodeHealth.com. Watching Washington, today on HFMA's Voices in Healthcare Finance podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Erica Grotto. Today I'm handing the podcast over once again to senior editor Nick Hutt. He's talking with HFMA Policy Director Andrew Donahue about legislation and the future of transparency. They're discussing topics we'll be watching over the next several months, so it's a good one to listen to now and bookmark for later. Here's Nick. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this special episode we're recording on the state of transparency in healthcare, specifically in the context of the policy push in Washington, D.C. to increase transparency in healthcare prices and operations. Andrew, very glad to be able to check in with you on this topic. I know it's one you've been watching carefully. I wanted to start by setting the stakes because you mentioned in an offline conversation we had that this ongoing transparency push could be transformational for the healthcare industry. What did you mean by that? Yeah, Nick, thanks for having me. So I love this issue. I think it's going to be the dominant issue this year and next year for health policy and in the election. And you said it in your intro, most of the time when we think of transparency, we think of price transparency because that's been really in our face as operators this past year. And it's going to be prominent this fall. We'll talk about that in a bit. But I want to introduce another idea. It's not just about arming consumers and employers and unions with information to shop for you know best care at the lowest prices. It's not about the civil monetary penalties that we're all getting if we're not posting sufficient data online. It's much bigger than that. And we're talking about macro demographic transitions and shifts in the American economy and the American electorate. So just take a step back. In 2030, we're going to reach one of the biggest milestones in American history. All baby boomers will be over the age of 65. And between now and then, we're really facing an economic crunch. As these boomers retire, we're really not backfilling them with enough productive workers generating enough income and tax revenue to support all these terrific programs that we've developed for baby boomers over the past number of decades since the 1950s. So we have this beautifully constructed social welfare state that we don't really have the demographic profile to support. And that's going to hit us the most in the late 2020s, according to the Census Bureau. So it doesn't necessarily mean that a crash is coming, but I think we're entering more of an era of scarcity and rationalization in healthcare than we're used to. Um, We're the largest piece of the governmental pie. So we'll be seeing less and less expansions, more austerity. And that's where transparency comes into play, because it's the logical first step in trimming down U.S. healthcare. First, you have to understand how the pieces and parts fit together, the form and function. So yes, it's price transparency, but it's also every other governmental program getting transparency, getting data, understanding how they work. So then we can address them in new ways. Yeah. Thanks for breaking down why why this trend is so important to 
keep an eye on the rest of this year, but also really the rest of this decade and beyond. So there's a lot of legislation being pushed on Capitol Hill, and some of it seems to have momentum and a decent chance of being passed this year. There are bills with extensive bipartisan support. We wanted to talk about two broad categories of bills. One category is kind of strengthening and ramping up the type of transparency policies we've seen from CMS in recent years, where since 2021, hospitals have had to post their charges for all services. There's the Patient Act. And just to clarify, as is the case with a lot of congressional bills, the title, in this case, the word patient is kind of an awkward acronym where the full name is Promoting Access to Treatments and Increasing Extremely Needed Transparency Act of 2023. But anyway, this bill largely mirrors the regulations that have been on the books since 2021. It's passed the Energy and Commerce Committee unanimously. That's combined 30 or 40 Democrats and Republicans who voted in favor. So if there's a floor vote on this bill or a modified version of this bill, you would like its chance of passing. There's also the Transparency and Billing Act, which has a section requiring healthcare entities to attest to their ownership information, essentially creating more visibility as to who owns every facility that's registered as a provider. It would require a separate ID number and attestation for all off-campus outpatient departments as a prerequisite to receive payment from private insurers. And incidentally, the Patient Act, which I was just describing a minute ago, has a similar provision for Medicare payment. So with that said, Andrew, what else is going on in D.C. during these last few months of the year that uh, is really an effort to advance transparency in healthcare? Yeah, that's a great kind of preamble of where we are. When it comes to price transparency, you really have a jurisdictional logjam kind of. You have three committees, large committees in the House that address it, energy and commerce, education and workforce, and ways and means. Nick, you did a good job there breaking down where energy and commerce and ed and workforce are. Ways and means took this up right before recess. Before I talk about that, let's just talk about the rest of the calendar year because right now we're in recess. It's a month-long period. Legislators are at home or they're on congressional delegation trips. And their staff are spending this month, August, right now, taking all these different bills and initiatives that have been passed in different committees and and forming them into a single legislative package that when their bosses come back, they can say, look, we're ready to go. So right now, we don't know exactly what will be in the final price transparency package, if you will. Ways and means, probably the best signal of where we're headed is uh, H.R. 4822, which they took up right before recess. Essentially, that codifies the Trump era regulation requiring hospitals to post prices on lines, but it also extends that to ambulatory surgery centers, imaging services, and clinical labs. It's not really a contentious bill. It was passed on a party line vote. The bills you mentioned, the other two committees, ENC and Ed and Workforce, those were passed unanimously. But most of the complaints, and this is the point on price transparency, it's not really about what's in it. It's about what's not in it. So, for instance, Democrats complained that the Ways and Means bill didn't include transparency requirements for Medicare Advantage plans or for private equity involvement in healthcare. So, as one Democratic member said, hey, it's great that our colleagues want to give my 64-year-old constituents more information, but once they turn 65 and they're on Medicare Advantage, we can't provide the same to them. So, my point in that is, what's happening with the price transparency? And we saw that with the hospital OPPS rule recently as well. We're learning our way as we go. We're figuring this out. We're feeling it out as we go, and we're making incremental changes. It's not a lot of debate about whether this needs to happen. There's bipartisan support for it. 
It's more about how much are we going to load in and how quickly. So this fall is going to tell us a lot more about that. We already learned quite a bit, again, with the hospital OPPS rule. And if you have a chance, uh, check out my colleague Sean Stack's webinar on this very topic on August 28th. You can find that on our website under webinars. That's going to tell us a lot about what's going to be happening next year and also how these legislative packages merge this fall. We'll know much more. Got it. Yeah. Thanks for the breakdown on that. Just to link the comments I made with the comments you just made for anyone who's, who's trying to keep a scorecard on all of these things, the Patient Act is is the Energy and Commerce Committee's bill, and the Transparency and Billing Act is Education and Workforce Committee's bill. And I, I just wanted to highlight that the Transparency and Billing Act, with the requirement to provide a specific separate ID number for every off-campus outpatient department of a health system in order to receive commercial insurance payments, that's the type of transparency I think you were alluding to where legislators are looking for visibility into hospital operations, in this case, into whether some of these off-campus facilities should in fact be paid out outpatient department rates, like many of them are right now, or are they actually freestanding physician offices that a hospital bought and therefore services at those sites should be billed at the lower physician fee schedule rate. So Transparency and Billing Act is looking to provide that sort of visibility into commercial insurance payments. The Patient Act's looking to do so for Medicare payments. And, and one result of that type of transparency as we get into the next section of our discussion is likely to be an increase in site-neutral payment policies of the sort we're already starting to see. Again, looking at the Patient Act, there's a section that would pay the physician fee schedule rate for all drug administration services provided in off-campus settings. That could be just one step in the direction of ultimately enacting more comprehensive site-neutral policies. But Andrew, what, what can you tell us about that and the trends we're starting to see in that area of healthcare policy? Yeah. So this fall, I think, aside from the government shutdown, the two biggest issues for healthcare leaders is going to be price transparency and site-neutral payments. And, and you flagged that as our two buckets here. They blend in these bills. And so it's, it's a little muddy to try to unpack them. So if we just look at site neutral payments, the, the larger issue right now is just hospitals are on the hot seat for billing. And, and that's just all billing issues. You've got that Pew Research poll that came out recently looking ahead at the election next year. Voters listed the, the issues that were very important to them. And in a list of 25, 30 issues, uh, healthcare affordability was number two behind inflation and ahead of a lot of other issues like the border and educational curriculums, et cetera. So this is a prominent, prominent issue and hospital billing is on the front lines of it. So site neutral payments is kind of the vehicle for addressing it right now. Uh, Congress already passed the Inflation Reduction Act that took a crack at the pharmaceutical industry, the ban on surprise medical billings that took a crack at hospitals and insurance companies. Now they're also, they want to go a little further into hospitals and site neutral payments is the way to do that because in their minds, it's all about consolidation, unfair consolidation. Health systems are gobbling up these physician offices all over the place and just hanging up a new sign and then charging a higher rate because it's affiliated with the hospital and charging that facility fee. That's what they mean with site-neutral payments. They don't think that's fair. Whether or not their perception is true is open to debate. AHA would tell you that there's a lot of private equity acquisition of physician offices right now. A lot of the consolidation is in that space. There are reasons why hospitals have to apply those facility fees, and that, that's a different conversation. But that's where the focus is right now, and, and there's not a lot of agreement on where to start. So when we get back this fall, 
This is really one of the big open questions because unlike price transparency, there have been a lot of bills that have passed and they just need to merge them. It's kind of a technical or procedural process at this point. With site neutral payment, there's still kind of an open question of how they're going to do it. You've mentioned some ways they've touched on it already, Nick, but really they can, they can do whatever they want. So right now, what they're saying is we want to make hospitals bill separately for each off-campus outpatient department. And that's that's it. So that that really doesn't address everything. They could go much deeper. They could say, let's equalize Medicare payments for all or some services. Or they could say, let's just make it all the same, whether it's a hospital outpatient department or on campus or a physician office. So we're going to find out this fall, probably in September, where they're going to go. Most of the action has been in the House. Once they make a decision on how far they want to go, then they've got to go up against the Senate. And the Senate hasn't shown a huge appetite on this just yet. There was a Senate finance hearing on consolidation earlier this year. Site neutral payments came up a little bit. Ranking member Mike Crapo brought it up. Senator Maggie Hassan brought it up. They were really aggressive in their approach in coming after hospitals and site neutral payments. But the chairman, Ron Wyden, he didn't mention it at all. And when he talked about consolidation, he actually said exhibit A is PBMs and to a lesser extent insurers using algorithms to deny claims. So he may not put this issue as high up as others do in the Senate. So we just kind of need to see how things shake out. But what's clear is that it seems to be coming. Site neutral payments isn't new. We've been fighting it as an industry for years and years. But there's a reason why the American Hospital Association flooded Congress with their members earlier this summer to address this very issue. Um, it's coming. So it's just a matter of, of when it's going to come. And Nick, I'll say one final thing. You, you made a good point in mentioning that a lot of the activity has been around Medicare. What we're also seeing is a lot of activity on site neutral payments within the commercial market, but at the state level. So different ways you can do this. One way we're seeing like Connecticut, Colorado, Maryland, New York, they've passed legislation to kind of encourage facility fee disclosure requirements. Florida has done the same thing with freestanding EDs and facility fees. Uh, that's one approach. Another approach would be just increasing the oversight of the fees. And Colorado has passed a bill that would require a committee to study how these fees affect patients, employers, payers, et cetera. So they're trying to get a sense of how this works before they increase their oversight. Then also you could you know, take a crack at trying to actually limit the instances when providers can charge these fees. And Colorado and New York have done that this year. Uh, Texas even banned facility fees for services provided at drive-through healthcare facilities. Or you could prohibit facility fees for telehealth visits. And we've seen that in Connecticut, Ohio, and Washington. So there are so many different ways you can come at this. But the, I think the message we want to pass on to our members, Nick, and we talked about this earlier, is it's it's coming. It, it's starting to come. We're seeing it at the state level and definitely at the federal level and probably this fall. Yeah, great point. So it, it's not just Washington, D.C. to keep an eye on, but uh, your state capital as well. If we assume for a second, and there's nothing that's safe to assume in Washington, D.C., projects and, and bills get derailed for any number of reasons. But if we assume that a narrow drug administration-related site-neutral payment policy is going to pass this year, can you see a day when it goes beyond that to some of the other bills that are in the draft stage in the Senate and, and didn't come close to advancing out of committee, but nonetheless are, are out there in written form where a great many services and healthcare settings would be subject to site-neutral payment? Are we heading in that direction eventually? 
I think everything's on the table now. And it gets back to the comment I made earlier about this new era of rationalization. Right. Uh, my personal opinion it, to what you said, Nick, is yes, we're moving in that direction. It's going to be a matter of of speed, uh, how quickly we'll get there. But I, I think these policies are coming. I mean, transparency is starting to touch all sorts of issues. Tax exempt status, for instance, there's a bipartisan Senate letter last week that referenced transparency and consistency and comprehensiveness and community benefit standards. They want to understand better how we're meeting that. They, they want that to be transparent and then they want to address it through reform. That seems pretty clear. Same with 340B. There's a bill, HR 3290, literally called the 340B Transparency Act. And they want to require us to report by location the total number of individuals receiving 340B drugs by payer, cost, payment, savings, et cetera. There's another bill to requiring a study on consolidation. They want that to be transparent. They want to understand how consolidation affects our industry. So then they can craft reforms to address it. Medical debt collection transparency, a bill was just, so I, I won't go into the details on all this, but to your question, Nick, everything's on the table and it's coming a lot faster than we realize. So on September 13th, we'll be doing a webinar on all the details, everything we're waiting to find out about this fall. We'll be reviewing that in detail on the 13th and looking ahead at the next decade of healthcare reform. We'll explore some of these demographic trends in a little more detail. But as far as the fall goes, you know, conventional wisdom says it's going to be government sh shut down all day, every day. They'll get back on September 5th in the Senate, September 12th in the House. That'll give them 11 legislative days until the end of the fiscal year. So yeah, that's going to be a big issue, but that's not everything. There are a lot of these little initiatives, particularly in price transparency and site neutral payments that Nick, you and I are going to be watching and we'll report back to members on where it lands. Absolutely. And, and hopefully we can come back if Erica will have us and review the developments that have taken place. Andrew, thank you for the discussion and for uh, dropping some knowledge on all of us. Thanks for having me. Voices in Healthcare Finance is a production of the Healthcare Financial Management Association and hosted by me, Erica Grotto. Reporting this week is by Nick Hutt and Andrew Donahue. Sound editing is by Linda Chandler. Brad Dennison is the Director of Content. Our President and CEO is Dan Jordan. Be sure to sign up for Andrew Donahue's webinar series held just in time for month end close. You can learn more at hfma.org. Oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs>